to the Annie Gamers podcast. This is episode number 92. I am your host, Evan Minto, and with me, as always, it's David Estrella. Greetings, gamers. Hello, gamers. Hello. I, I'm. You know, we don't have like a word for anime fans that has the, like, I guess it's otaku, but it's, otaku almost sounds too cool because it's a Japanese word. No. Like, we need a word that we can say with this, we can spit at anime fans the same way that we spit. See, gamers. you break down gamers, right? Game. What do gamers like? Yeah, there's not much left after you say the word game. <laughs> there's, uh, there's literally no room for ambiguity. Gamers Ooh. game. We should start calling them animators. Animators. No, that sounds like you're the mayor of anime. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not we, good. Uh, we not we good enter like a, a weird Animal Crossing like sort of sort of universe when we just have everybody be the damn mayor. Actually, wait, that's that's cool. Though. That's like an anarchist sort of Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> All the animals are the mayor. Who's the mayor in Animal Crossing? Is that you? Are you the mayor yes. in the game? Yes, I don't remember. You're, you're the okay. mayor. You're the mayor in the game. Uh, I don't like this game. Wait, are you even elected mayor? Uh, nobody wants to do it, so you're just kind of forced into it. That's not how mayors work. <laughs> I totally forgot. It's been like I was a kid the last time I played an Animal Crossing game. So now I'm all like into politics. And so now I'm like really thinking about well, if how... you consider that all the citizens in every Animal Crossing game are filthy animals. Of course, they can't be the mayor. So the wait for the human to arrive. This sucks. Are there cops in Animal Crossing? There are cops. <laughs> there are actual cops. They just operate as like a glorified lost and found, though. Oh, they wait, wear the that's uniform. Like, and that's everything. what cops should be. <laughs> it's weird because they got a Animal museum. Animal Crossing is a weird hybrid of a utopia and a dystopia. Yeah, they have a museum, but it's up to you to actually furnish the museum. So it's all unpaid labor as well. But is the museum free? Yes, it's free. That's good. But they don't maybe pay. Actually, they don't maybe... pay you for for anything. Right, but it's it's just sort of like you know you're you're just helping the community. Maybe Animal Crossing really is. Uh, it's just an anarchist utopia, except for except for Tom Nook. Yeah, that, there, there's like there's private the... property and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we're here to talk about anime manga and video games. <laughs> As always, topic, yeah. This episode, we have a little bit of news, uh, mostly anime news to talk about, and then we're gonna go over some of the some of the current season anime we're watching. We talked about some of that in a previous episode, but we we got some other stuff to talk about and a couple video games. Video games. So, uh in in news, we got uh, we don't usually talk about like licensing news unless it's something that we're particularly <laughs> interested in promoting, I, but in this case, David wants to promote it to people. Yeah, to me personally, it feels like a, a big deal that the the Garden of Sinners, also known as Kara no Kyokai, all the movies are streaming on Crunchyroll. Now, it's not for me to shill uh, Crunchyroll, because I'm pretty sure most of the listeners already have a subscription. However, it's very important to note that these movies were originally a very infamous $700 box set. Right. Way yeah, the long, real, long ago. <laughs> the real sin is uh, Anaplex releasing a $700 Garden of Sinners box set. So, of course, nobody I knew owned it. And the people that did are people I didn't like much. So uh, now Garden of Sinners is for everyone, which I think is wonderful. I, I hope we have listeners who bought the box set and now they're insulted that like you well, called them people no, that you don't like very much. No, because I don't know them. Okay. 
So just to be clear, uh, if David doesn't know you and you bought the box set, you're a good person. Please keep listening to the show for now. Uh, I have not watched this, but isn't part of it directed by my boy, A. Aoki? The boy. Like the first episode or something? The boy, yeah. Yeah, I like him. It's, um, a, it's a really, really just lush production. It's a uh, UFO table really, mm-hmm. really knocked it out with this one. Part of the reason I was I was interested in it was because uh, because I liked Fate Zero and that was uh, oh yeah Ufo Table yes this one and A Aoki and so mm-hmm. the just even having at least one episode directed by him was pretty like oh I'd be interested in checking this out and it's also the same it's Tight Moon right yes Garden of Sinners. yeah I like to I like to sell people on this one because this one's a lot closer leaning to Fate Zero than Unlimited Blade Works or pretty much the other not as good Fates compared to Fate Zero. That's good because yeah, Fate Zero is definitely yes. the like it's such an anomaly, I think. <laughs> Cause then I watched some of Unlimited Blade Work and I watched all of the Studio Dean Fates Day Night for a review, which was Ugh. but mm-hmm. like yeah, I watched Unlimited Blade Works and I was like, Oh right, this is what Fate Day Night is. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So I'll I'll maybe I'll watch that at some point if I have a reason to for a panel. I that's just, the I only thing hope... that convinces me. To yeah, no, the panels I'm... and articles is all that convinces me to watch I got I got to figure out who uh, at Otaku USA I got to tell to convince you to watch it because you only watch stuff for articles anyway. So that's true. That's, and that's for this my, podcast. Yeah, that's my way of just casting my influence over you. Or you could write for Otaku USA. Hey, that's, that's an idea. Okay, so I got some news, some cool <sighs> some cool staff on an anime <laughs> technically the news story that brought this to my attention was not about the staff it was about the cast but i had missed the news announcing the staff for this show which is called hisone tomasotan and i think it's which is the toe is just the japanese word for and so it's hisone and masotan and uh, that's coming out i think next season and ooh. Ooh, this staff is is something else this is kind of like when i was uh, when i heard about the staff for darling and the franks and i was like wait that's like a that's a combo for Darling and the Franks. It was like that's a combo of a bunch of cool ex Gainax people and some other big names. So in this case, this is a Bones show, and it's about like it's the premise seems odd. It's about pilots, these like girls who are pilots, but they pilot dragons for like the self defense force. Oh, it's Dragon Guard. I guess it's Dragon Guard. <laughs> uh, I don't think that uh, that Yoko Taro is involved at all in this one. But yeah, it's a, a kind of odd, you know, millet fantasy military thing going on. But the so the Bones is the studio. It's produced by Shinji Higuchi, co-founder of Gainax, who co-directed that uh, Shin Godzilla movie with Anno. Uh, and then the director is Hiroshi Kobayashi, who directed Keys Naiver. And I know Keys Naiver, not a great show, maybe not even a good show. Uh, it was <laughs> that, that, that show didn't have a ton going on, but I do think it was very nicely directed and animated and stuff. And I think, I think Kobayashi gets a lot of credit for that. But the, the problem is that the bad part about Keys Naiver was the plot, which was written by Mario Kata, who is also writing this show. My arch nemesis. Right. So that's the, that's the part that I think is, uh, is throwing David off a little bit here, but but David, what? Like what? The rest of the staff is is so good. It almost makes up for it. It's got the the animation character designer is Yoshiyuki Ito from Space Dandy. That's all right. I don't love the Space Dandy designs, but people like them. And dude, mech design 
is Shoji Kawamori, like the Macross guy. <laughs> and the monster designs are from our boy Shigeto Koyama, the designer for Star Driver, Trigger Guy, did a bunch of stuff for that. He designed all the mechs in, um, in Darling and the Franks, did the Hero Man designs. He's great. And the composer is the one from Blood Blockade Battlefront, which had some really cool music. So, oh, and also art director is one of my favorite art directors, Yuji Kaneko, who is like a trigger adjacent guy, did the the art for like the backgrounds and stuff for Kill La Kill, for Little Witch Academia, the original OVAs, not the TV series. That's why the TV series backgrounds don't look as good. And also just a bunch of other stuff like in the trigger orbit. He did like the Bubuki Branky designs, the, the art art designs and art uh art directing so really cool staff it's at bones and it's mario kata so that's a kind of like maybe maybe it'll fall apart narratively yeah to me that's all that really matters for me to just say this is an evan show and i'm gonna leave you to it i will brave this show because yeah i want to I want to see this. There's a little bit of trigger in there, right? There's there's Kaneko and Koyama and Kobayashi and yeah, some some Gainax. And it's kind of interesting too that it's a it seems like it's an extension of like the collaboration on Keys Naiver, right? Because it's Kobayashi and Okada again. So I wonder, you know, how much it looks like the original story came from Higuchi, Okada and Bones. And I wonder like if if Okada pulled in Kobayashi after working with him on uh, on Keys Naiver, so we'll see. I'm definitely gonna you, watch. It you it's just, you will see. I won't see. Yeah, well, it's just you put enough trigger people on a show, and I'm like guaranteed to watch it, even if it's gonna be bad. <coughs> Keys Naiver, <coughs> Ninja Slayer, uh, every trigger show that's not great, I did that with. <laughs> uh, speaking of trigger, just always got the trigger news here on Annie Gamers. I am promoting this everywhere, even though probably uh, just a tiny handful of our listeners actually care. The convention Genericon in upstate New York, which is the convention that we we've done some live, not live shows, but we've recorded episodes from Genericon. It's our old college convention. I used to be staffed there. And last year we had trigger come to the con and i helped out i was i kind of coordinated some stuff and was also their driver for the entire convention and this year we're doing it again but with even bigger trigger staff no offense to the awesome people we had last year but this time we've got the uh two co-founders of the studio and the president of the studio so that's uh kazuya masumoto who's the one of the co-founders and a producer masahiko otsuka who's a they're all they're mostly ex-gynax so he's a ex Gynax like director and I think he's done writing stuff too and he's the president of the studio now and Takafumi Hori who's the lead animator on uh, for, uh, one of the lead animators he's like very very you know senior animator on Little Witch Academia so super awesome guests these are some you know that they have between them they have a lot of really cool work under their belt they worked on all the big trigger shows and it's kind of a tiny convention it's like 2,000 people so if you live near this is near albany new york please come to genericon i'm also doing three panels of my own it's a a pretty great opportunity to meet these people that you will not get if you go to like anime expo you will just not meet them. you will just not even get in the building (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you'll barely get in the building (laughs) and also uh you know 
our buddy Tatsuri Tatsumoto will be there, the translator for them. He was uh, on episode 85 of our podcast. We did an interview with him. He's their their in-house translator and resident American. <laughs> that sounds like a role. Yeah, that's the that's the, <laughs> that's the job. Yeah. That's what I want to do at, at an anime studio is just be their resident American. You're just there so that they they go like, uh, is this hamburger good? And you're like, oh, let me tell you that this hamburger is too well done. You need that real American experience that you can only get from an actual American on site. That's right. The, you need someone to be uh, famously an asshole as Americans <laughs> are known to be around the world. <laughs> Uh, actually, really, though, what the resident American should be is just the guy from Avanabashi. Now that I think about it, it's just that guy who's uh, who just swears in English and tries to sell you fucking hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> he just spends the entire show every every universe they go to. He's just like, buy your fucking hot dog. <laughs> that guy rules. That's what that's the job I want. Yeah. I want to be that guy. That sounds like a New Yorker. Studios. Yeah. He's basically a New Yorker, yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't. Anyway. They don't. They don't shout like to buy hot dogs like that on the West Coast. I've been, so I understand that's not. That's not. How they do it. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess that's true. There's not a lot of shouting about hot dogs. No. Shouting about hot dogs is uh, my upcoming podcast. <laughs> Look forward to that. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about some anime, talk, David. Talk a little bit about hot dogs and yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of speaking, hot dogs, speaking of hot dogs. David, you're watching this show whose name I refuse to remember. Which I, is, I'm going to call it Fate Slash Cooking. Fate is that the name of the show? Is, is it Fate Slash Chef? That's probably the search terms on Crunchyroll. Because What's it's it called, actually? It doesn't have fate, or, it doesn't have stay, it, and it doesn't have night in the title. No way. Wait, really? It doesn't have fate? No way. It doesn't have fate in the title. Yeah, can you believe that? You know, that's the format, you know? It's Fate Slash Something. Fate Extra. Is it like extra. Pate Slash cooking instead no, no it's like it's, it's like it's a, it's, a cooking related you know, word you know what in it place is of it? it's one of those like sentence long titles so that's why i can't remember it oh wait it's like shiro and sabers cooking time yes, yes i can't believe that my servant is this good at cooking yeah well I, it's it's emia that cooks that's the only thing that I remember that that title. Wait, really? Emia. Wow, I'm being super sexist. I'm like yeah. assuming because <laughs> it's a sexist franchise that they were going to do that. No, see, this her. shows how much you know about the Fate franchise because Saber never produces the food she consumes endlessly. That's the whole point. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, she's. she's I mean, Saber is like really cool in theory, and then I I always find her to be, except in Fate Zero, mostly not as cool as she's as she seems to be. <laughs> No, it's a uh, it's a very light fifteen minute long episode. Like it's a uh, week week by week. It's a, just a, it's a very calming atmosphere. It's very not what fate is about. And it's actually it the original. Uh, it's originally a manga from a fan artist. It's not even like. Wow. Yeah, it's like a fan artist that got to the point where they were just drawing fate manga but it's about cooking and it's not even fate fate's not even in the title and it's just it's such a such a weird spin-off that exists but because the fate money is just insane at this point that they can run this sort of thing and it's really well done i think it's ufo table <laughs> no way yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
No, like but known for, known for their like really, yeah. you know, high production value digital oh, effects, and they're just doing oh, a yeah. cooking show. Yeah, because like the the food is pornographic. Well, that's I mean the the magic is pornographic in the original visual novel, right? Yeah, so, yeah, it's so sort of fine. Yeah, it makes sense. This this is more like you know domestic, you know, cool times. You know, just, you know, sit around at the kotatsu, drink a beer, wait for Shiro to finish cooking. And Fate stay under the kotatsu. Yeah. Um, my favorite show <laughs> there's uh and then like the servants will come around so there's the episode where lancer is like Lan- lancer is like a fan favorite but oh yeah he doesn't i've seen the memes yeah but he doesn't he doesn't get like really a chance to just you know these they're such strong characters but they don't get a time to just hang out in a setting where it's like they're not fighting you know the closest we ever got to something like that was when Iskandar and Saber and Gilgamesh are just sitting in a garden drinking wine for half an hour in Fate Zero. Okay, so this is funny that you're like, these characters never get a chance to just sit around and drink tea. Like, have you seen the Studio Dean show? (laughs) It's nothing but that. (laughs) No, but the recent stuff is like not like that at all anymore. I don't know how. Yeah, I guess that was kind of in the novel, but maybe you didn't want something that was like well the world is going to end unless we shatter the holy grail so it's always about the grail but this time it's just about hanging out and how do they explain food. this like where, where does this fall in the timeline is this a holy grail war where like the goal is to make a really good dish no i think this is like an after the the war and then like the servants are just hanging out but <clears throat> nobody's actually dead isn't that not allowed? Don't they all like disintegrate after the war? Yeah. But in this case, this is a timeline where they didn't. Oh, this is the timeline where someone's wish for the Holy Grail was like, I wish that everybody could just hang out and cook food under the Kotatsu. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> I, you've explained it all, all very well. You know, there's no, it's a fool's errand to explain in any sort of logical terms what the fate timeline is because you, it's just, it's not happening at this point. As far as I'm concerned, this is basically the Shinji Akari raising project of <laughs> fate. Yeah, isn't wasn't that one more horny though than uh Oh is it? I don't remember. I don't, I don't know. I'm just thinking of all, all the Ava manga and stuff and the spin-offs that are just the like it's just them in high school with none of the actual Ava stuff. Yeah, people and people dig into that. You know, there's a there's a certain audience for it and Fate cooking hits the uh, the right spot of like low committal good times. Well, on a on a, a different note, a considerably hornier <laughs> note. Uh, I'm watching. I'm watching that trigger joint. I'm watching Darlin and the Franks. Yeah, how are you feeling about it now? Uh, I'm I'm still a little mixed on it. I think I might have talked a little bit about my initial impressions on it, uh, but I'm I'm kind of interested in like how popular it is because i'm kind of like it's no it's just i've just i see so many people talking about it and it's interesting because i feel like it's not really it it hasn't sold me yet on on like that it's doing something really interesting it just it looks good and it it kind of feels like it might be heading to something interesting but it's 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 uh very much about this I don't think we've talked about the premise of it, but it's very much about like this relationship between the, the two lead characters that I feel like is just missing parts, <laughs> how it's developed. And, and people seem to just be latching on to that. They, the characters are, uh, you know, the characters look good and have a lot of personality, but I don't, I don't feel like, I feel like there's all this missing stuff that maybe they're going to explain later, but it doesn't emotionally connect yet. 
Yeah, you know, that was it that when I heard about it, it just it screamed Star Driver to me, which is all <laughs> your complaints about it are they like that that's exactly how I felt about that show. But I don't I don't think there is like a narrative, you know, connection there. I don't think there's a writer from Star Driver. No, but there's just a, there was a feel, I think, to the sure. to the show that I think certainly is, the mechanical designs, which is Koyama. But like personalities that just kind of look good and people latch onto that that just sounds very very much like what star driver ended up being hmm. at the end it like it all amounted to nothing it was literally there, a was, show. The, there was the uh, galactic pretty boy though which is a pretty good bit i mean that but it was a bit it was that's not right that's not a show <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah you know just being uh cautious i'm kind of feeling it out by letting you watch it yeah i think it's 26 episodes too so yep have it's fun to be a little bit <laughs> but i mean i have to watch it it's trigger i have to watch all their shows it's just it's just the life i gotta live all right i, I understand but for anybody who's not watching this right now or is listening to this episode 10 years in the future and nobody knows what this show is anymore uh it is about a bunch of teenagers who are like you know in this sort of weird i guess it's a I don't know how I'd describe it. It's like this this enclosed, you know, some some kind of future where where people live in these like dome cities, right? And they're they're basically raised from birth or whatever, possibly, you know, through they are probably test tube babies or something, but that hasn't been established yet, right? And they're kind of like raised from birth to pilot these robots and fight monsters that attack the the thing they live in this like plantation thing that they live in so that's all like pretty standard robot stuff uh they the in the interesting part that people are are, are kind of latching onto is that they they fight in in male female pairs and the show is very very uh unabashed about <laughs> what that means for these male and female pairs to link up and fight together <laughs> You've seen the pictures, right, David? You've seen all the screenshots and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know, that super robot symbolism of just being horny. Uh, yeah, on main. It is. It is extremely horny on main. The, the male pilots like sit on the seat in like the normal robot position in the seat, and then the female pilot like sits in front of them, leaned over, and then the male pilot grabs handlebars on their butt. Yeah. And then they like link up and there's all sorts of just the way that they react when the linking happens. That's all like very obvious sexual uh, imagery. Yeah, it's a, it's a very long and storied super robot tradition. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, that that's the part that, that is I mean, it's super blatant, but it's at least a, a theme that they're they're doing a lot of doing a lot of sort of thematic work with in it. Uh, there's a lot of like flower based symbolism and and like language being used the they're called the pilots are called pistil and stamen which is like parts of oh. like sexual organs oh. of a flower oh. it's very very in your face <laughs> with it yeah <laughs> um yeah but but the the main thing that's kind of odd about it is just that the the whole thing revolves around the fact that this this kind of wild card female pilot shows up and latches onto the main character who's a kind of he has a little more definition than a typical you know harem protagonist but he's a little bit of you're just sort of a nice guy protagonist who doesn't have a ton of personality 
and she kind of just goes like oh you're my darling and i love you and we're gonna pilot together but she's like a loose cannon or whatever oh and so what's missing right now is like why is she interested in him like why did that why does she just instantly you know latch onto this character and i i mean i hope there's something there and it's not just you know arbitrary kind of attaching this uh this female well it's like he has more you know multiple love interests too basically so it's like it feels a little little bordering on harami so i'm hoping it's got something more than just he's the main character and so all the girls like him yeah i wonder what this show's gonna have to say at the end Mm. what's the what's the big idea yeah but anyway it looks really really good it's a it's an a1 pictures and trigger collaboration so the uh a1 has a lot of really good animators and just a general kind of high production value and trigger is eh, not as involved as people thought they would be but <laughs> when Imai, she's directing the action scenes they look pretty good and, and koyama's doing the mechanical designs and there's there's been a couple episodes that have had some good work from from trigger folks i think otsuka actually one of the guys coming to Genericon, wrote like episode two or three which is pretty good so that's that that's dotty as they call it darf on, darf ja- on japanese twitter because it's way easier to say than daringu inza franks i would not recommend watching it yet david if you want to <laughs> wait it out for like you know no. next season to see no, how things no, no, go no. i it 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 has some very nicely you know directed episodes and things but it's it's still not in a phase where i'd be like yeah this is definitely a show that's worth <laughs> sinking a bunch of time into who knows it might have a, a klk style like mid-season twist it could but just to be clear for anybody because people seem to really like comparing the show to kill la kill which it is not really much like at all in terms of pacing in terms of like themes uh kill la kill i just rewatched the first episode because i was pulling up some clips and stuff kill la kill just comes right out of the gate with like that imaishi energy and like that show did not need to ramp up you watch that first episode <laughs> and you're like oh this fucking owns so yeah i mean this is very it feels much more like an a1 show than it does like a like a trigger show especially in the sense of like an imaishi trigger show it's not like and it's not like a you know, there's the writer nagashima on kill a kill also who like has a really heavy influence on how that show turned out it, this feels much more conventional in a lot of ways. Uh, well, so you got uh, you got twenty six episodes to work with. You could do something. Yeah, and the director is Nishigori, who's in that sort of trigger orbit, and I'm I'm hopeful. You know, it's a lot of Gainax alumni, and so I'm hoping that they have you know learned enough from Ano and Tsudamaki and stuff to to make something more interesting than just a standard robot show. But we'll see. <laughs> so. Other stuff from me that I've been up to. We talked about this in a previous episode, so I'll just drop in a little update. I've been playing Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. We are big fans of, of the MGS here. Yes. So I beat the main plot of Peace Walker, and you you haven't played Peace Walker. No, I'm like I'm debating whether I should or not. I played five. Five kind of summarized what Peace Walker was sort of about. Oh, yeah. Did it have like a, a summary? Not thing? like just kind of threw you in the mix and you have to like sort of pick at what what happened between uh, three okay. and five. I guess it probably has some of the main characters from 
Peace Walker. But I also, so I, I finished the main story of Peace Walker, but there's like a, it's like near automata. There's another ending oh, you can get. So you can, you get the credits roll and everything and you like beat the main story, but then you basically spoilers, this kind of shows up partway through the game, but you build metal gear in it. You build like the first metal gear. Oh, nice. And so I think there's a whole plot line regarding that that happens after the first credit roll. Um, so anyway, I, I, I think a bunch of the characters probably show up in, uh, in five yeah because there's so many characters where it's like oh, i don't really know you too well but nice introduction because the five, yeah, the five like was probably really good Ka- about in- cause yeah like cause yeah uh Paz. huey the huey yeah which is uh Otacon's dad i guess he's literally yeah, just voiced just by the Otacon. same voice actor as Otacon. <laughs> he's just Otacon. like he's exactly the same does uh ocelot show up no, Ocelot is not, at least oh. not in the, the part that I've played. He's not in there at all. Oh. There's like another Russian guy, but not Ocelot. There's also like a red arm that I think must end up, because doesn't I doesn't Big Boss have a red arm in five? A red hand or something? You know, I thought, um, what was the guy's name? The electric guy in three. He had a red arm too, didn't he? The electric guy in three? Yeah. I don't remember who that was. I only remember like the end. <laughs> It's the only one that really sticks out. I and thought, wasn't there like I thought he had the the red. Was arm. there a B guy, or am I confusing that with Ninja yeah Scroll? the B guy? Right. Okay. I always get confused because Ninja Scroll also has the guy with bees. <laughs> Come on, I'm made of bees. <laughs> was like inescapable in like the early <laughs> 2000s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. The, I I feel like the the red arm must make its way to to Big Boss at some point between where I'm at in Peace Walker and Metal Gear Solid 5, but I don't know. Find out and tell me all about it. That's right. Because yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'm, I like, I like the lore. It's just, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could play Peace Walker. <laughs> Peace Walker. Here's the best part about Peace Walker is uh, I know so much about Costa Rica now. That game's just got tons of, tons of radio conversations where characters are just like, and, and it seems completely unnecessary. Like I, maybe, maybe the, end end game explains this but you meet a character in it who is just this she's just a french lady who is an ornithologist and she studies birds and i don't know if she's supposed to be maybe they reveal that she's secretly some agent for somebody but she literally seems to only exist in the game so that she can have radio conversations with you where she imitates bird calls from costa rica (laughs) well that's almost what master miller used to be in uh the original <laughs> Metal Gear Solid. Just you'd call him up about the local, uh, all the uh, all the animals. I and forgot stuff. about that. So if you like, if you called up Master Miller in a, in a room where there's just like some some ravens, tell you all about ravens. Right. It's it's the humanoid fun facts edition. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, man, I learned so much about like tropical rainforests and tropical cloud forests and the differences between them and all these different ruins in Costa Rica. I, I a, wonder. I wonder how much of it is like Kojima just like visited Costa Rica once, but putting stuff in like <laughs> Google and like reading the first entry that he gets, and most of it's just Wikipedia stuff. So he's just like he's. I, I just can't imagine him just not being a guy that's like just gets stuck in Wikipedia loops. Yeah, he's probably that. That that's. I'm almost certain that's what it is. Because yeah, he's just so the kind of guy who seems like he's yeah. super super detail oriented yeah. and like obsessive and just has tons of 
useless information in his brain <laughs> and his games are just like a, a his need to put them all down somewhere <laughs> yeah he does he does have like a lot of staff that will help him out but like right he, he he's he's the center the centerpiece so it, it 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 all just seems a little like excessive. a little manic <laughs> and excessive compared to like you know, you get similar stuff in Assassin's Creed games, but that all feels very planned out. Like, okay, we're going to set it in this location. We're going to do this research. But when it's in Metal Gear Solid, and also, like, Peace Walker is to also, like, the staff, I noticed, was pretty small on, like, the, like, when I was looking at the credits for a lot of, like, the, there weren't a ton of programmers on it and stuff. It's a PSP uh, game. Come on. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I wonder, how, like, there, it didn't seem like they were there was a huge writing staff helping him so it does seem like you're just getting a direct <laughs> line into his brain damn so you say it would be good enough to just play now i think it's it's worth it's worth playing it's it's a little bit pared down compared to other metal gear games you know there's not as much that you can do but i definitely found over over time in it i was uh i was really getting at like this is true for most metal gear games for me is like i kind of start to get the hang of it and then, you know, in like the late game stuff, I was I was really feeling it. There's a lot of feeling it. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, there's, I, I, I got a, I got the hang of like the stealth stuff in it. And I was starting to use the, you know, I, I was playing like non-lethal. So like figuring out all the oh, combinations of my. <clears throat> all right. I usually do non-lethal in Metal Gear. Damn. But like, but but there's there's cool options for it. Right. There's like you have empty mag that you can throw to like, you know, distract people and then you can put the magazine down the classic Metal Gear thing and then like yeah. choke them out and, you know, whatever. Just like figuring out what works in what way in the game. And it took a little bit of a learning curve. But once I got it, it was it was working yeah, out pretty well. You're going to love five. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> OK. OK. One more one more one game, more game. We're talk about before we get to some some listener questions. One more game. This is so, a pretty pretty neat David, game. David, you're playing the game that everybody's everybody's really into right now. The uh yeah, it's the uh it's that uh I feel like it's a big streaming game for whatever reason. It's a it's a tough platformer. It's all about climbing mountains and it's not made by Bennett Foddy. It's called Celeste. <laughs> it is, however, made by Matt Makes Games, which is the developer of Towerfall, which is which you're a, a great fan game. Of. I don't know if I've talked about you, Towerfall. You've only on mentioned this that to me today. Before. I have I actually have no idea what Towerfall even is or looks like. What? Okay, let me talk to you a little <laughs> bit about Towerfall. So I actually had no idea this game was from Matt Makes Games. Like I heard people talking about it, and I was like, "Oh, cool platformer. Maybe I'll check that out." And then I bought it because David mentioned it, and I was like, "Wait, it's the same developer? What?" Because I would have I would have bought it weeks ago if I knew that. So. Towerfall is a four player. I think there's like a single player, but it doesn't matter. Everybody plays it multiplayer. It's a four player kind of competitive. Uh, it's like, I don't know how I would describe it. It's like this are kind of 2D platformer arena action game, like a deathmatch kind of game where everybody has, everybody's like an archer. They have these arrows and they can do these like dash moves and, and other kinds of maneuvers around this platforming stage. And it kind of has like, pac-man style oh. mechanics where you can go off the edge and come back on the other side right oh i like it already. and oh yeah yeah and and i think i mentioned this to you when we were playing that pac-man battle royale that's what game, I, exactly what i was of, thinking it about. reminds me of pac-man battle royale or vice versa pac-man battle royale is a good ass game yeah yeah and the it, it's just kind of like that game that, that's a good comparison for it because like that it's just you have one life for every match 
and it's just this really fast-paced very like twitchy uh gameplay where you're trying to you know you're like shooting an arrow that sort of maybe you know it's a special arrow and it'll like curve around an obstacle or something or it's like a bomb arrow and you're trying to outmaneuver people and you have all these like things where you just barely you shoot an arrow and someone dodges out of the way at the last minute or they they can like dash into the arrow and catch it and all sorts of like things like that and it it's just like in in some ways it it, you know it's like the kind of fun of like a smash brothers like a four-player just you know kind of chaotic game but it's a a more technical i'd say than something like smash brothers uh that is me throwing shade on smash brothers players sorry (laughs) so anyway uh it's also kind of like pixel art stuff which is similar to celeste so i played a tiny bit of it after you recommended it and i am i'm pretty into celeste but you have you finished it so you can talk about it more than i can yeah i I finished it but it's it's another one it's one of those situations where you finish it but wait hold on there's more Mm. it's uh yeah it's a just a really good game to just fall into a trance and just just get 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 the get the jumps right get the dashes right mm-hmm. that sort of thing it's um it kind of you said super meat boy right people could people told me it's like super meat boy because I, I was asking somebody about it i don't know i'm like i'm old school so it kind of reminded me of Mega Man x actually with the dashes because you could dash in the air cling to the walls but it's in the Mega Man X was never about like the environment it was just it was just like a straight line and you mm. just have to like maneuver around enemies but in here I kind of agree though yeah because I played a lot of Mega Man X and like the zero games and stuff yeah when you got like really good at the movements it was just like seamless just dash over enemies just like just you know do do uh like really graceful maneuvers but it was never really supposed to be about that game where it's like top to bottom left and right float around like celeste is like wow like that's that's some good platforming in there yeah it's uh i'm I'm definitely into it it seems very difficult from what i played it's so not, far it's not that hard i don't know well, i mean the the, the first level the first level was not super difficult but like way more difficult than i expected a first level to be <laughs> the uh the punishment the punishment of like failing a jump is not as bad as it could be well that's that's the best part and that that's what people compared it to super meat boy because it's nice it's it's nice that it's like room by room you don't have to like do the whole level that because that would be insane yeah that's that's the thing too that i really like about it i've i found that i'm not great at video games right but i do like i like those kinds of platformers as long as they are not very punishing and typically as long as they have that single room thing where you just you solve a room at a time and it's like each room is its own little puzzle right. i'm a really big fan of i think it's terry cavanaugh did the game uh, vvv vvv yes that's like a really great platformer that i believe is also basically room by room right you can right. Like, die and just restart the room right and really simple mechanics and yeah again it's it's I guess would that count as like a puzzle platformer? What's the definition of a puzzle platformer? Kind of that. I mean, unless yeah, we're talking guess, a, right? about like that weird Mario game with like Donkey Kong. Mario versus Donkey Kong. There's a Mario versus Donkey Kong Dawn of Justice game. Yeah, it was like on a Game Boy on like Game Boy Advance or something where it's like actual puzzles and platforming. Wait, isn't Mario versus Donkey Kong just called Donkey Kong? No, like no, that no, was the original the, Donkey no, no, Kong that, game. That's also like there's also the uh, the Donkey Kong game that came out on Game Boy, which is very much about puzzle platforming. And then there's another one that came out on the Game Boy Advance, which I just don't remember the title of. 
Okay. But they were not like when we say puzzle platformer, it's not like you like sit and just like think and like how to like like put like these things together. No, it's like you you, 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 you don't solve a Professor Layton puzzle no, before no. making a jump. No, no, no. The 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 jump is the puzzle. It's just the design, right, right. the design of the level, trying to figure out what the designer had in mind when they created it. A lot of it is very visual, where you just look at the level and you think like, okay, I gotta dash this way, up, down. Uh, float, Wait a float, second, but, float but, a little but bit. But hold up, hold up. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Uh, I'm doing this in my head now. So it's like, if there, if there are twelve sheep, <laughs> and you jump over one of the sheep, <laughs> then h- how many jumps does it take to jump over the next three sheep? And you have to like solve that puzzle before you're allowed to hit the jump button. Oh, that, that's like a Professor Layton puzzle platformer. That'd be so fucked up, <laughs> Professor Layton platformer. <laughs> My British accent is not good enough to do like the full on Professor Layton bit there. But yeah, I guess I guess Celeste would count as a puzzle platformer as would BBBBBB. And I guess now that I think about it, that's basically what I like the most in platformers is puzzle platformers. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have a good time, Evan. Just telling you right now. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's rare I buy a game that uh, impulsively, but I was just like, oh, well, yeah, this is was... a podcast. I should play a little bit of it. I like bought it an hour ago. So, yeah, no, this was like a super <laughs> impulsive buy for me because I was just thinking like, OK, I I'm at a point in Dark Souls three where I just I die all the time. What else can I do with my life? And then I was like, oh, this game's new. I can die all the time in Celeste. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which game do you want to kill you? All right. It's time, I think, for us to answer a couple of these questions that we have. Yeah, it's the best. This is the best part of the podcast. This is where yeah, we reach. The, the, you could just skip the rest of it. I'm yeah. glad that you skipped to this part of the podcast because this is the good part. This is where we reach deep down into our feelings. All right, we got one from via email. We haven't answered email questions in a little bit, but we do have an email address that you can send any kind of question you want to. We have a question from Roma Deuce. Hope I you didn't totally say that like, wrong. Just probably totally said that wrong. But anyway. Uh, they uh, it's, they give their name here actually so it's uh Luis uh hi I'm Luis and I have or Lu- I'm probably saying that wrong too aren't I anyway I have a <laughs> nostalgic question what video game that you played in your younger years and that you loved will make you hate it if you replayed nowadays for example I played Final Fantasy VIII when I was thirteen or fourteen and loved it I finished that game two times and played it four times with my little brother. But last year I tried to replay the steam version and I couldn't get past the cave tutorial. So I decided to quit playing it and leave my childhood memories alone. And to this day, I think that final fantasy eight is the best RPG of all time. Pathetic. I know it's the best game of all time. Love the podcast. Hope you pick my question. Wow. Wait, isn't final fantasy eight like the, the, thinking man's choice for best final fantasy game or something it's i don't know the, anything that, about that, final it, fantasy it's it's the galaxy brain choice it, right it's the galaxy brain like best final fantasy game because all the plebes pick seven right or six six is the contrarian active brain pick but there's the <laughs> okay okay wait wait wait. so get let, let's do the the brains right so first brain is final fantasy seven right right the and then the second like slightly larger slightly glowing brain is what it's six that's Final Fantasy VI. So you're that's, like, oh, come that's on. The like one Final Fantasy VI is, that's 2D, right? That's the 2D Fantasy one. 6, 2D? That's the okay. 2D one. That's, the, uh, that's okay. the one with Kefka in it. That's the one where like Final Fantasy kind of became its own insane thing without like, you know, any rules or whatever. All uh, right. And then Final Fantasy, what? Like, what, what's the... the you're, just like, it's Now it's you're, you're sort of holding your head and the brain is starting to like send out rays, right? Yeah. So that's like, what, what's that? Uh, 12. 
Okay. Twelve okay. is like that's Final Fantasy twelve. Yeah, you gotta uh, you gotta really gotta just steal yourself for that one. That one's a it that's the like the sort of pseudo MMO one. It's oh, set, right, it, right, it's right, the right. it's the one where the uh like I think like one or two directors went insane and had to be replaced and like took forever mm-hmm. to come out on PS two. I think that's the that's cool. The and then like the next one up, I guess, is Final Fantasy eight. Yeah. That's like you're you're I guess that's Galaxy Brain, but then I want to say there's like the level beyond Galaxy Brain. X two. Right? I was gonna say X2. it's Crystal Chronicles. No, it's not. Oh, that's another. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good that's one. That's the yeah. only Final Fantasy game I've played. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's with the with the Game Boy advances. Right, all, right. All yeah, four, we're playing four... Final, playing Crystal Chronicles with four of your friends with Game Boy advances hooked up to the GameCube is the ultimate like ultimate. universe brain. <laughs> yes. There we go. Okay, cool. Oh, was... well, I'm glad that we answered not the question <laughs> we at went all. So uh, off topic. I'm sorry. That was, I really like that question actually. That uh, I didn't think I'd have to reach deep down into my soul so early. It's yeah. Into first questions. question right out yeah. the right out the gate. So, man, a game. First off, nostalgia. I'm not a big fan of nostalgia in general. I tend to be suspicious of anything I liked as a kid until I come back and rewatch it or replay it or whatever. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I really loved that when I was eight. It's probably bad until proven otherwise. Yes. I've replayed a, a fair number of games that I was really into as a kid more recently, like Majora's mask. And so I can confirm Majora's mask, still a very good video game. I think it's been a while since I played Ocarina of time, but I, I'm pretty confident that that is also a good video game. <laughs> replayed that one pretty recently it's uh it's better than i remembered actually yeah i i wonder if i replayed it if i would actually i have like all like this knowledge. think it was better than majora's mask <laughs> i got all the zelda knowledge now of like what zelda became right. after ocarina of time and like it's a very respectable game in the yeah uh, just when it came out even now it's still pretty good i definitely <laughs> i'm thinking i'm thinking like banjo kazooie is one i was very oh. attached to as a kid <laughs> And I have not gone back and replayed it, and oh. I really wonder whether that is still Actually, any good. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great answer because that reminded that you answered my question for me, Evan. It's a it's a rare game. It's Donkey Kong oh. Country. Oh, but oh, you did replay that, didn't you? I did. Oh God, I hated it. <laughs> I think we talked about that on an episode, right? <laughs> it's uh, I hated it. I really like it's it's malicious. I feel like maybe the rare games don't age great like some of them probably do golden is probably still good i like but. uh I, li- I like their rc game for the uh the game boy they made an rc race, like an rc car rc car game? racing game for huh. the game boy it was pretty cool it, you had like a real sense of speed on it which is crazy for game boy yeah wow yeah i think that yeah, was i was I, yeah i was super into into banjo kazooie I remember I was like so obsessed with that thing you could do in Banjo Tooie where like Kazooie can turn into a dragon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- those games are this very particular brand of game that like I think is I feel like it's not around anymore. Maybe it still is, and I'm just not paying attention to it. But it's the sort of like mascot platformer, like 3D platformer games that were all kind of in the wake of. I feel like they were all in the wake of Super Mario 64. Right. Yeah. And it was just this proliferation of them across every yeah, I mean, platform and just every Spyro, every publisher had to have their Crash own mascot character. Yeah. What what else came out? Bubsy. There was uh well we had we had an episode where I was trying to remember the name of the the name of the game because we were talking about like 
Jack and Daxter, and I couldn't remember the other one that everybody likes more, which is Ratchet and Clank. Ratchet and Clank. That was another one of those. Definitely Spyro and Crash Bandicoot, like Sly you said. Sly Cooper. Yeah, like, Sly Cooper, <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of those games probably don't age well. I'm sure some of them have very good platformer design and stuff, but uh, they, they even as a kid, they felt a little bit like like just a bunch of cash. A little, little me too. A little too yeah, yeah. me too. And the thing is, because there's such a volume of them. Yeah, I played them, though. I played all those games some of them are underrated gems and a lot of them are kind of trashy now yeah you know what i'll say actually because i didn't talk about it this episode but i have been playing some dragon ball fighter z so i will say there's a dragon ball z game that i played in high school that i still have very fond memories of but i haven't gone back to and i'm almost certain it is not a good game but i appreciate (laughs) what it was going for it's Budokai Tenkaichi 2. I might have mentioned this on the show before, but it is it's remarkable. Compared to like Fighter Z, which is a real fighting game with Dragon Ball Z characters, Budokai Tenkaichi 2 is like this 3D, you know, fighter where you can fly around and stuff, and it is intentionally unbalanced to match the Dragon Ball Z canon, which is just like a a crazy design decision that somebody made at like Bandai Namco or whatever. So if you play as super saiyan 4 gogeta which is the fusion of goku and vegeta and it's like you know the highest possible power level you could have you have full health and you you know you can fly and do all this stuff if you play as yajirobe you have like two bars of health and you can fly for like five seconds before you fall down and there's no other mechanic that makes yajirobe more worth playing like that doesn't balance out he's just bad and he'll lose against super saiyan 4 that gogeta makes, that makes a lot of sense though because there's a there's actually a very vocal like sector of nerds that are saying like you know fighters is just missing that like certain characters just should not overpower other characters i they, kind of agree that's the thing is i liked that about tenkaichi too <laughs> Right, but like fighters is maybe more of a formal kind of kind yeah, of work, yeah. not like you know this licensed game where you can just mash together what insa- whatever insane design right. idea. It's that not like a it's it's not an like an action figure game, which is basically what Tenkaichi no. Two was. But yeah, like uh, that that's definitely a thing that's missing in because it's also like Tenkaichi Two. I feel like was not a good fighting game, but it <laughs> captured so much of what was cool about dragon ball z like the characters you you'd play as you couldn't just play as super saiyan goku you had to play as goku and build up enough power level to to power up to super saiyan goku and then super saiyan 2 and super saiyan 3 you had to like work your way up through the power levels which again like probably is not doesn't make sense in a lot of real fighting games but but was fun if you wanted to recreate dragon ball z fights so that's that's one for me i can't uh probably pod racer i don't know Ooh, if that's any good pod anymore racer. yeah the star wars racer oh, game pod racer it was actually just called racer but everybody calls it pod racer because that's a better name for it than pod star racer. wars racer man yeah that, that game was probably bad but i i played a whole lot of it you got anything else before we move on to the next one i mean i already said that i like replayed super the, all those like the 2d super mario games and i think i'm pretty done with super mario world as like just a thing well, then you can move on to Super Mario Odyssey, finally. Oh. It's so good, David. Eventually, we already talked about that last eventually. episode. I don't know. if, it, we, like, if Last it, episode, we did a best of episode. Go listen to that if you want to hear more about Mario Odyssey. If it, if it hits like $40, I'll like heavily consider it. But at $60, come on. 
All right, fine. Let's move on to another email question. We have a couple Twitter ones we will also try to get to here. Our friend, Inaki, friend of the podcast, asks, Dear Usa Minto and the Cinderestrella girls, Cinderestrella, Cinderestrella, it's Cinderella girls, but with Estrella, with David's name. Uh, I think we're all big fans of the pop team epic anime adaptation, but are you more partial to conventional adaptations of existing works? Wow. Well, what I'm does still mean conventional to, adaptations? I'm still trying to process the intro. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I think I, I have that intro pretty pretty processed at this point. So, <laughs> so I guess conv- I guess they mean like a step by step sort of like you know as it appears in the original mm. property sort of sort of deal. So like something I think something no, like uh, I don't do that. I think it's just just do the like I think the pop team epic thing is the right way to go. You're going into anime form, so like go full on anime and don't just recreate the manga because I'll read the manga if I want that. A lot of adaptations are just like straight up recreations of the manga. Like I'm thinking about a very unremarkable adaptation of Future Diary, hmm. which was step for step the manga was like right. i mean like the manga was entertaining but when it was just animated it felt a little bit lifeless like in my mind the manga had a lot more energy than what was depicted yeah. even though it was very faithful to the uh, right. to the manga there's so much stuff that's like that i mean i i watched like i i can name so many examples like one i was just thinking of is like dead man wonderland i, I reviewed that a while back and it was just like very by the numbers just like yep we sure did animate that manga yeah <laughs> like <laughs> Well, like depends also on the uh, the manga that you're adapting because, like, I don't know, like, God forbid, like the Pluto adaptation. What kind of Pluto mm. anime do you want to see? Do you want to see one that's condensed into a very neat story, but not exactly the manga? Do you want to see like a by just beat for beat the original manga? Do you want to see something different? What would you want to see? And it really depends on the like level of like attachment you have to that property. I mean, I basically want everything to be as like essentially as original as it can be, right? Because I think orig- like an, I like original anime yes. more than I like at manga adaptations most of the time, right? So, yeah, even with Pluto, I'd prefer to see like I think it would be most interesting to see Pluto like go even further like almost to have the pluto anime be to the pluto manga what pluto is to astro boy that's insane right like just another another layer of adaptation and like interpretation oh. it's, it's interesting i mean i think like that's what makes stuff like Devilman crybaby really cool because it's like a a reboot and a re-envisioning of of like a franchise that's even further than like i didn't expect about you to Epic, like but. say something like that so like just go further further out from the uh, original I, I i i think that's maybe an ideal like you know you could still do an adaptation of pluto that's pretty straightforward but it's very yeah. good but i think it's it's cool when people do that when they go further i don't think a lot of people could do it like just to pull it off right like when they just you know go just do, do something crazy just go go wild on the adaptation i think there's a certain level of fear involved where at yeah, one point, for sure. you're just stepping on the toes of the original creator and, you know, like maybe, you know, there's not the right number of people that are telling you like, that's a bad idea. The pop team epic 
anime is very well suited because it's strips. And mm-hmm. the strips are they leave a lot of details open to the creator. So like stuff like the uh the 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 uh the your name parody, that was like <laughs> Wow. All the right. uh, all the felt puppet skits, like that's not I mean that's not in the manga. Right. Yeah, it it definitely feels it's rare we get something like that that really captures like the spirit yeah. of it. Very I rare. think. Yeah. And also I think like there's even just the fact that the anime is basically a sketch comedy uh-huh. which i've not seen really like pulled off in that way for any other four panel comic right obviously they all have a little bit of an element of that of just being a bunch of sketches but it's it's also kind of it captures the feeling of watching a sketch comedy show where there's like a rotating cast of people by having the like the the studios and the animators switch out for all the sketches, right? Mm-hmm. So you actually get that sense of this rotating group of people who are just like picking up sketches and working on them as opposed to just the same, you know, you watch Azumanga Daio or something, right? And it's all the same staff animating, you know, in the same way, every single sketch one after another. Man, I'm thinking like, I, I think I'd be, uh, I would feel bad if I didn't mention this, but like, I, I think about the Flowers of Evil adaptation, Oh, that's an interesting one. Which yeah. is it is like it is the manga, but stylistically, whoa, it's not. Yeah, it, take, it takes some liberties and does something. It, it, it's important, I think, that that I've only watched a little bit of that one, but you didn't but finish it. it? Does, I know I never oh, finished it, dude. Man. I don't. I I don't make time to watch enough of this stuff. Oh. <laughs> uh, so the it, it it takes enough liberties that even if you've read the whole manga, like I have, it's still. Like, oh, this is worth watching because there's going to be something, some different experience here that is going to like enrich what I got out of the original one, right? Mm-hmm. But only, only if you got to be ballsy and you have to be good. You can't just right. Well, yeah, you have you to can't be just good. do whatever. That's important. You got to, you got to right. be good. Yeah, I also like I, um, I like the Metropolis movie a lot. That's one that took a lot of liberties. It took the original manga and then at like threw a whole bunch of other stuff into it, including other Tezuka manga, and like mixed it all into this weird melting pot that is only kind of vaguely related to the original and that's kind of an interesting way to go with it too hey how about this how about uh my favorite anime of all time kizamonogatari huh not that's not a straight adaptation from the light novel Mm. a lot of liberties taken in that one too right so it's you know that's uh (laughs) yeah we 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 love that stuff we love we love original content over here at the anime gamers that's right we're big, I'd say we are, on it. we are pro original content if you're looking for our position on that issue. Yes. Okay. We got to answer like two more and then I think we got to get out of here. So we got a question from at sign fun for Chu. That is uh Quan Chu. Darling in the Franks is a really good looking anime and I love all the trigger references, but with two T's. Get oh, but. Was it really necessary to go doggy style? And what benefits does it have for piloting Max? So, kind of talked about this a little bit, but uh, uh, it's necessary because if they didn't go, if they didn't like, you know, arrange themselves in doggy style in the robot, then how would you know that piloting the robot is a metaphor for sex? Ooh, There's not God. enough other indicators in the show that to make that clear to you. Yeah, checkmate atheists. <laughs> um i think it's i mean 
I think it would not be the the whole like how blatant it is would not be nearly as funny without it. I think it's it, it is like a good addition to it because it's just so out there. It's just like yeah, let, let's just do it. Why like, not? Let's not beat around the bush here. I mean, it's but not, yeah, of it's course, not like Gurren like Logon didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gurren Logon is basically about penises for the whole show. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I say. I'm pro the wacky, stupid sexual innuendo in the show uh at least so far we'll see if it gets to a point where yeah. it starts to actually offend me keeping keep coming from like such a such a volcel podcast that's uh quite a statement i just you know i i appreciate when they're uh when like I, that's what i what i like about kill a kill it's just like not trying to do this coy stuff and just like <laughs> no we're just gonna tell you what we're doing <laughs> when we're when we are being perverted we're just gonna be perverted <laughs> So, okay, that's that. And then we got one more. We're going to answer here from at sign and Nazzle. You guys are doing a Valentine's podcast. So, yes, we are. Admittedly, we are recording this episode on <laughs> Valentine's Day. You said the date. <laughs> I know, I know. We, we've been not saying the date, but but we got called out. So called out. it is Valentine's Day. Does that confirm your Valsell lifestyle or is it a cover up? For your crazy lady man lives, ladies, ladies men, li- lady hey, man, lady man, Ooh. kind of, yeah. I don't Ooh. know what that means exactly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's calling us. He's saying either we are Valsal or we're ladies men. Um, well, or or, those or lady man. To like be clear, man. The, yeah, that's right, <laughs> lady man, lady. It's my favorite one. Obviously, Valsal and uh, ladies men are not the only two options available, but. Uh, well, David, does that confirm your Valsell lifestyle? <laughs> Just turning it on you. <sighs> yeah, sure, fine. Look, if you're not Valsell, then how do you have time to record a podcast? Right? You gotta, if you gotta, not, if, gotta sacrifice the, you gotta sacrifice something for the podcast, yeah. and that's that's what we sacrifice. Yeah, if, for you, we do this for you. If you're not, so if please you're not, like, comment, and subscribe. Honestly, if you're not Valsell, then what business do you have having such? insights such wonderful insights into anime manga and video games in order to help you the people out yeah not being sell uh that's celibate it's voluntarily celibate for anybody who's just tuning into the podcast uh not being celibate uh clouds your mind when it comes to analyzing uh these these uh children's cartoons that we talk about on the show you have to harness the energy that's right uh but yeah no we i mean i'm I'm single, so I don't have anything to do on Valentine's Day except for hang out with David and record a podcast. It works for me. It works out for the both of us. <laughs> yeah, um, but if we had recorded this earlier, we could have released it. And then uh, for those of you who are, are uh, coupled up, you could have had a nice romantic Valentine's Day podcast to listen a nice, to. But, uh, a nice post-coitus yeah. uh, podcast, yeah. <laughs> Or pre, it could be pre, you know, you know, whatever. Oh, for play, I'm not. Sure let us know. Let us know. Just like we want people to let us know if you uh, listen to the podcast while high. Just like let us know what circumstances you listen to the podcast under. I don't know if I want to know that much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's that's uh, that's the podcast that's it for us. Thanks for the question. <laughs> if you want to send us questions, you can email us at podcast at anygamers.com. And you can also tweet your questions at us at sign Vamptvo, V-A-M-P-T-V-O. That is me. At sign QX20XX. That's QX20XX. And at sign Anigamers, one word. That is where we usually post announcements when we call for questions, or that's where we also announce when episodes come out. 
And we do actually have some Twitter questions banked up. As I mentioned last episode, we're trying to kind of bank those up. So when we get a slow question episode, we can pull up some leftover ones. So feel free to send them anytime if you just have something on your mind you want us to answer. And we are also on Mastodon, which is a federated social network with much fewer Nazis than Twitter. I am vampedvo at mastodon.social. On 20xx at caro.ccsakura.jp. And check out our show notes and more information about the episodes on anagamers.com slash podcast. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music. We always appreciate reviews on there. It helps people find the show and helps promote us. And read our articles on anagamers.com. That is our main website. We have our 2017 staff picks, our best anime, manga, and video games of last year. Also my review of mary and the witch's flower which i think i mentioned last episode i'm writing for otaku usa as always and i have an article on anime news network about studio trigger if you haven't heard me babble about it enough already and uh also animeburgertime.tumblr.com is my anime hamburger themed blog that i barely post on but i might post on it a little bit now because i'm doing research leading up to my Genericon edition of Anime Burger Time. So I might post a couple of things on there while I'm doing that. David, and, what about you? Yeah, on the subject of barely posting, there's also qx20xx.tumblr.com, which is way overdue for a new article and new content. I've started a twitch.tv streaming channel. I don't know how they do this. I have no idea how they pimp their Twitch streaming channels. I don't know how the streamers <laughs> operate. We're new to this. How, do you, how, do you, how, do you, how does this crazy thing work? Uh, okay, so it's... Twitch tell dot, people to go to the URL. It's twitch.tv slash uwusmolbean. That's U-W-U-S-M-O-L-B-E-A-N. Hey, it was available. Oh, I forgot that that's... <laughs> it's the only one they had. I'll, uh, I, I'm <laughs> trying to find a new game to stream after Celeste. Normally, we'll do streams on Friday and Saturday. Very often, I will have my uh, good friend Inaki on to just shoot the shit about anime, manga, and video games in a very non-formal capacity. There will be drinks involved, and I think... I'm not sure if Dark Souls 3 is good streaming content, because I I really suck at that it's game. It's probably good. Yeah, I think people I, like watching that. People will watch anything I am streaming, super, honestly. I am super <laughs> bad at that. I don't know. I'm looking, I'm looking for a good game to to stream to the people uh i actually occasionally stream i usually usually don't promote it on here because it's really really infrequent but i'm uh i'm vampedvo on twitch i think i, re- I recently did a little bit of PUBG on there because i was playing a bit of that <laughs> but uh yeah if you're interested in more like game streams from us let us know because we will we'll do uh, basically just anything for our podcast listeners <laughs> look we're recording an episode on valentine's day we sacrifice yeah we're putting in the work that's it for us The only part I really strongly remember in Scarface, other than the famous scene at the end, other than is, that one, is the scene where he is in his giant rich guy bathtub or hot tub or whatever, <laughs> and he's using he's like uh, using his TV that he has in the room, and he's like using the remote for it. And I might have mentioned this before, but I have like an intense anxiety about watching movies and TV shows where characters 
use electronics in your bathtubs because I'm like, you're going to drop it in the water and it's going to, it's going to break it or something. I get really, really anxious about it. So he's like using the, he's using the remote and I'm like, don't, don't use the remote in the bathtub. What are you doing? No, I have the same thing, but with books, books around like books in the bathtub. I hate, I hate it. Yeah. Like what if you drop the book in the bathtub? Well, the, the bathroom's already like moist, like the moisture content in the bathroom when you've got the bathroom, hot water. It, you you're done. It's, the book, it's the no book's good. Dead. It's, it's it's it sucks. No, I hate it. No. It shows a deep disrespect for books, right? And for and, electronics. And, and here <laughs> and here on the Anagamers podcast, we respect books. We respect books. Uh, you put the clap <laughs> at the end. I don't we remember. Respect books. <laughs> it's, the, to, it's really the clap <laughs> has to happen at the same time. But I'm doing it like as if it's the Twitter emoji thing. So I'm putting them in between. 